Two sisters, two ways. Hi, I'm Raquel. And I'm Sarita. Parallel Ways is a podcast of sisters sharing insights into their millennial lives. Hi, folks. Welcome back to the podcast. We're at you with a new episode this week, and we're excited about our topic today because it is all about interviewing. Now, Serpy loves interviewing. She loves everything pertaining to interviews. So every time I have one, I always consult with her. And all you have to say is, I'm applying for this job and I have an interview. And she'll just go off for like 30 minutes without interruption, mind you, to tell you all about what you need to do. Correction. It's not that I like interviewing. I think that interviewing is all about that first performance and that first impression. And it's so critical. And I just have a very strong perspective. We thought it made sense to talk about this topic because We know it's a very hot job market out there right now. I myself, within my organization, have several open job requisitions. And it's been challenging trying to find good talent because it's just so competitive out there right now. I know a lot of firms are hiring, and while I'm looking for a specific skill set, it just seems like there's a lot of options for folks right now. So I've kind of been in the interviewing mentality lately. Well, it's also like because of COVID, A lot of people are reconsidering what they want their work to look like. So I've heard a lot of people talk about, oh, I'm going to leave my corporate job and do something on my own, more entrepreneurial, or I'm looking for something that is work from home because I realize how much benefit it has. So corporate America is is definitely seeing um, some impact by that too. At least that's what I've read. Yeah, for sure. No, that's, uh, that's absolutely correct. So Let's get started and let's talk a little bit. Oh, was there anything else you wanted to talk about no. before we get started? No. Okay. So let's get started. Let's talk a little bit about just interviewing at a high level. And do we want to take the perspective first of the interview interviewer or the interviewee? The interviewee, because I'm sure most of the people that are listening to this podcast have interviewed for a job. Okay. So we'll take the perspective of an interviewee. Question, before we even like really dive in. Do you think there's fundamentally a difference as to how women interview versus how men interview? She just rolled her eyes at me. Fundamentally, I would say no, because it's the same standard format for everyone, regardless of your gender. Now, if you're talking about a female's approach to an interview versus a guy's, then yes. Is that what you mean? Sure. Yeah, I can see that there is a difference, but I I don't know. I guess I can't speak for every female out there. I would say how you interview and the approach you take is vastly different from mine, but I also am aware of why you do particular things or say particular things in an interview, and then I try to do that, but in my own way, right? That like fits my personality that still comes off as authentic. Yeah, I go into an interview and I'm definitely I would have spent probably two three minutes power posing beforehand as usual yes you really believe in that you told me to do that before I defended my dissertation and I was like I'm all about those things about empowering yourself but I was like wow that's like really lame but it's true because I believe in like physical manifestation so there's a TED talk many many years ago by this gal named Ann Cuddy And she said that before you go into a test, before you go into an interview, do something important, you should power pose. 
and that means assuming a powerful position, something like putting your hands behind your head or leaning over a desk or flexing. And if you do this and hold it for about two minutes, you will then have a more confident stature or pose. One of my biggest pet peeves is going into an interview and not feeling confident and not physically projecting that confidence. If I were to go in slouchy, you would already make some assumptions about me. And if my handshake was a limpy limp, you would already make assumptions versus if I came in with a firm handshake, very confident and pleasant. That's funny that you mentioned that TED Talk and how you want to be perceived when you go into an interview because... I would also reference a TED Talk when I interview or before I present or talk to people. I forget even who the speaker was, but they talked about how on the outside, you may feel calm or you may feel okay inside. You might be internalizing a lot of stress. And so they did this this little test where they said uh, they were asking people questions like, count backwards by three from 100. And they watch someone's internal, like their physiology and how they responded. So first it was Was like like constipation. No, 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 not that type of stuff. But they look at like the heart rate and the things and how it actually impacts your performance. So before an interview, what I do is I deep breathe, like equal in, equal out. And I'll do that for two to three minutes. And so you actually go into the interview with less nerves, like more yourself, you can think clearer because you're regulating your physiology, like all that stuff inside. So you're telling people to deep breathe while they do my power posing. Sure. I guess you can take both approaches and put them together because then you'll exude that confidence. But I think that tells you maybe how I go into an interview and I may not exude that much confidence as you do, at least like in that, hey, I'm here, listen to me type of way. Yeah. I mean, my physical preparation before an interview is very important, like me getting ready. I very much have like a process and I probably give myself extra time to get ready. Yeah. And mine is more of the mental. Yeah. You know, I read something on LinkedIn the other day where someone was talking about how it is unrealistic to expect people to dress up in interviews these days. And I thought that was interesting. So like I work with a lot of tech companies and then their day to day, their dress is a lot more casual, like in the workplace. But I was wondering, like, if you go to an interview for a tech company, you still wear, like, a a jacket, right? No. No? No. Okay. They tell you to dress like the environment. You know, like, those tech companies, they're like, we do things differently. I mean, you might want to wear, like, a collared plaid shirt, but you're not wearing, like, a jacket. No, no, no. Yeah. They they actually find it weird. No, I get it. Because we used to go on site and they would be like, oh, you guys are here for, like, a meeting? Right. We just stand out like a sore thumb. Yeah. Do you think that like that is a shift that is happening more widely? I think that's more more industry-based. Like if I were to dress casually in an interview, I wouldn't get the job. Although I've seen people- Is that fair though? We're talking about first impressions in a job. Is that really fair? Um, Well, I mean, I guess there's there's flaws with the interviewing process in general, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. And that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. I, I think it's all it's all subjective. The thing is, is, whether you think it's right or wrong, you're the one who wants the job at the end of the day. So are you going to do what you need to do or not? I mean, that's, that's my mentality. Wow. Okay. That's not what I was expecting. Really? Yeah. 
I'll say this. Even in high school, before I would take a final, I know kids would come in their pajamas, their hair would be disheveled. And my thought was always, if you are ready physically and you took the time to get ready, you are in a better state and prepared to do what you need to do. So even for finals in high school, I used to make sure I showered, put on my school clothes, and like actually went through the process of getting ready. I think it also demonstrates some sort of care. Now, whether or not you should be judged for that is another question, but I kind of, I guess, agree with you that you're coming to work for this company. This is the type of environment. I don't know if it's right, but... Yeah, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but I guess if you're the one that's wanting the job, you have to understand the environment, right? That shows that you've done the research to know. It's very interesting because I feel like what you are saying is very much the physical part where even for finals in school, I, I always focused on, on the mental part. Like, I'm not going to be able to think straight if I'm hungry. So I'm going to eat a good breakfast. I'm going to get up early. I'm not going to rush. Like, those are the things that I cared and prioritized when I'm either interviewing or finals or something big like that, where you're like, if I look good, then I will do good. Like, I embody it. No, I'll feel good. If I look good, then I'll feel good and I'll do good. Yes. Sure. I think that's what I said. Hashtag hater. No, no. I no. I find it very interesting because it's a completely different approach where, you know, if I had finals, I would say just slap on something comfortable, right? But I'm going to make sure I eat breakfast and not rush myself. Okay. So what were we talking about? I felt like we got off of a tangent. We, were talk we talked about our interviews, the best way to see if someone is qualified for a role. Is that like the best format? So I would say the equivalent to this is like in the education field, is standardized testing the best way to gauge, you know, someone's ability? Like when you go into an interview, I know if you're going to like an, a consulting firm, you're going to do like a case study where they want to hear about your thought process. But in like traditional interviews, they're just asking you questions. Yeah, I think it depends on the company and the questions they're asking in interview. Sometimes because I don't like interviews, I'm like, ah. Why is this the way that we do it? And we put so much pressure on these 30 minutes that we're talking to someone. And that's supposed to be indicative of whether or not we're qualified for the job. But then I think, well, what's the better way? Well, couldn't it be a mix of like, hey, you have to do a presentation about a topic that you're passionate about. And maybe you put together three slides or uh, a mix of here's a case study or more standardized right. referrals. Or if you're a company that says, I train my employees, but I'm looking for uh, certain characteristics. I've heard companies have people take personality tests. Yeah, but I don't know how I feel about that. When I first started I'm at my- I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but I'm saying it gives you insight to something about the candidate. And if you're a company that highly values specific skills, like whether or not you can be creative or be adaptable, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. It depends on how they use the information, but it's something different. It's more than tell me a little bit about yourself. Why Frankly, do you want this I feel job? like they've got so many candidates coming through the door. They don't want to spend more time than they have to. And it's just kind of like, how do I get them in the door? See if they're like living, breathing. Can they talk? Can they walk? Okay, great. Come on in. Like, I don't feel like companies want to spend that much time. Well, maybe out not people. on those like entry level positions, right? I just need bodies and I need competent bodies. But at this point in my career, I feel like half of the time it's like referrals. Like if I refer someone who's external into the firm, they kind of have a certain level of a blessing. And then it's just 
compatibility. Yeah. And you are not necessarily going to refer everyone because ultimately it's reflective of you, right? And your reputation. I think that's more of in the environment that I work in. It's more of your reputation than necessarily a referral because they do look at fit, whether or not you're a good fit and have the relevant experience for the position, at least in my industry. What's the worst question you've ever been asked in an interview? I don't, I need to think about that. Do you have one? No. That's why oh. I was asking you the question. I, I would say the worst ones are those really generic ones that I don't even think about preparing for because I feel like they should be asking more in-depth questions about me, myself, my abilities. But they're like the ones that you go online and you say, what are these, inter- what interview questions are people going to ask me? And it's like, uh, why do you want this job? Tell me about what you're good at or what you're not good at. I don't, I don't like those questions because they don't do anything. It's more of like, do I like your answer? I don't know. Well, that's like the whole thing. You said, okay, are interviews the best way to see if someone is qualified? My objective in an interview is to come off sounding competent, but also likability. In the end, all I'm trying to do is get this person to like me, to be able to use my words, come off confident, be bold, understand the scope. It's really a likability thing in the end. When you're coming in, they're just trying to see, do I like this person or not? At least that's what wins me over when I'm interviewing someone. Hmm. You're like looking at the questions and like the formality. (laughs) And I'm like, no, do I like this person? In other words, if I'm going to hire someone that's going to report to me, do I think this person is going to not piss me off, do good work? Well, it's interesting because I wonder how much is what we prioritize is based off of the industry and the culture that we're in. I don't know if I can answer that question, but I'd be curious to think about that. Wow, you you can't answer questions today. No, I can't. I'm a processor, you know? This is why I have anxiety when it comes to interviews because I need to process. So I have to do so much front-loading prior. And so that means I have to think about the questions that they would ask. So you can see where my mind goes, right? Like questions to be prepared because I'm a processor. But I will say that I've really learned to be succinct with my answers. I don't have to give all the details, but to get the main point across and to get them to see, like they would be curious to learn more about me, right? Because I feel like at my level, it's more about, it's multi-level interviewing now. It's not just you have one interview and they offer you the job. So when you're interviewing, is it just like one-sided? They're like asking you questions? Because for me, it's like more of a conversation. Yes, it's one-sided. They they ask a question and I answer, but you have the opportunity at the end. And sometimes you have the opportunity in the interview to converse, especially if the interviewer is responding in a way that allows you to converse. But if they don't do that, then I don't really initiate. Yeah, maybe it's different just because I've been the last few jobs that I've interviewed with, I've like known the hiring manager it hasn't been like a, they get to know me. They kind of already know me. It's more of getting everyone else's blessing. So for me in interviews, it's really important that I ask questions that demonstrate an understanding of the business or very strategic thinking of how maybe the business might evolve or bring in like my two cents with what I've seen. So for me, it's not like I'm just sitting on one side and they're asking me questions. I'm asking questions back and more of like conversing. And how I measure success in those types of interviews is Was there good dialogue and was I listening and were they listening to me? Yeah. So it might be different cultures because I'm just- I think you could be doing these things. You're just not comfortable interviewing. 
how do you get people to like you if you're sitting there all nervous and anxious? Well, I'm telling you what's going through my mind internally, but I've also done a lot of work to not convey that on the outside. So they may not pick that up. Next time you interview for a job, record yourself and then show me the video. No, I want to watch it. I want to watch it. No, I'm not going to subject myself to your to every your time critique. You have interviewed in the past. You've always come to me, and I've always given you feedback about what types of questions you should ask and things like that. So yeah. I just want to see how it actually goes into practice after my coaching. I mean, I think it's helpful. See, I'm even talking about. I even know my responses to these questions can be reflective of how I respond in an interview. So. In the moment, I, I don't allow myself to do that because I'm so conscious of it. But because now we're more in a casual dialogue. Like I can already see you sweating and we're only doing podcasting. Podcasting <laughs> Sunday. And you're sitting there like sweating. I am. I am. Okay. I just don't like interviews. I really don't. So at the end of the interview, do you ask for the job? No. Oh, my God. What, what do you mean? Like what, what, what kind of phrasing does that sound like when you say, are you asking for the job? Hey, Raquel, it was so great spending some time with you and getting to learn a little bit more about the business. I feel like I have a better sense as to the direction you are, are headed in, and I'm really excited about this opportunity. I look forward to hearing from you. I'm extremely interested, and I can't wait to help be a meaningful contributor to the team. Yeah, I say that, but you say- Okay, do you think you could say that, rattle that off just off of the top of your head? Yeah, that's like normal sure. stuff when you like try to relate to people that you say. When what? But, but you make it sound like asking for the job is, hey, can I, will you hire me? Like no, that, that is asking for the job. So I look forward to next steps and looking forward to hearing from you. Yes, I, yes, I say that. Oh my gosh. Your question can have a different interpretation. That is asking for the job, essentially. Okay, yes. I ask for the job. I do that every time I interview. Okay. I mean, if someone didn't, if someone didn't do that, that's already for me like, uh. As an interviewer. Right. Like this, like this person doesn't have the interview skills. Fundamental 101. Yes. Yes. The base. Okay. You might say it, but I want to see how confidently you say it. I know. I'm I'm not. Why don't you share with the audience right now how you would do it? No, 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 no. That's not, that's not happening. So this is like the fundamental difference. Like I love to just rattle things off and talk. Like when I prepare for a presentation, I just start talking and I say it out loud. I'm sure Rock puts an outline together, puts some notes, high level bullets, and then she practices and practices. Yeah. And if it's an interview that requires a presentation, I practice the whole thing from beginning to end multiple Jesus times. Jesus Christ. Okay. Multiple times. Okay. Let's, uh, let's shift to interviewer life since you kind of already did. We have both interviewed for numerous jobs, and obviously with the progression that we've made in our career, we've had success interviewing. I guess you can make that correlation because we ended up getting the job and advancing our careers. But we've also have had the opportunity to be on the other side as interviewers. So we thought it would be interesting to talk a little bit about being on the other side of the table and what we look for, especially in knowing what it's like to be on the other side of the table. So because I have a high level of anxiety when I interview, when I'm interviewing other people, especially if I like the candidate, I tend to give a lot of nonverbal affirmation. I don't give that stone face of, oh, you can't read me type of thing. What do you say? But- I'm not stone face. <laughs> What's a stone face? I, I know stone fruit. I know stone face. 
I'm so friendly. I'm smiling. I'm engaged. Yeah. But I've noticed if there's a less engaging candidate or I get an impression sooner in the interview that like they're not a great candidate, I don't tend to be as friendly. And I've had people say that to me in interviews like, oh, I knew within two minutes you didn't like this person. And I was like, but I tried to be friendly and attentive and no, shake my head. You need head. to work on your neutral face. You always got to have a neutral face. Sometimes I do have the neutral face, but I think you don't need to you don't need to be that type of interviewer either. No, I think you should be neutral. Sometimes my face and my face when it gets fugly, usually specifically for a reason. I'm wanting to send the message. Oh. But like in an interview, <laughs> you know, it's like a harmless person. Just cut the interview short. That's what I would do. Instead of making it like 45 minutes, it's now going to be 30 minutes. That might tell you how it went. Well, you know. it depends on what your HR rules are. That's so. true. So one of the things that I interview people for is um, my business college down in Tucson. They interview kids to get into professional admission, essentially meaning once you go into your junior year, you have to do an interview, submit your resume, you have to take a test, and that allows you to start doing like the higher level classes in undergrad for the business school. So it's like been one of my favorite things to do. I've been doing it for years, and I'll go down to Tucson and interview probably about six kids to get into professional admission. And they have a great structure for the interview. You've got like questions that you can ask and it's in like different areas. And then you rate the candidate on how they answer the questions, their thoughtfulness, you review their resume. It's actually a really like great experience for these students to go through. And I went through it myself and I reflect so fondly back on that experience. In fact, when I was interviewing for professional admission, I had a green suit, my friend no, I had a gray suit. My friend had a tan suit. We walk in and all of our peers are in black suits. And we're like, screw it. We're not getting in. We did the wrong thing. We're wearing the wrong, wrong color suit. <laughs> but so, a suit is a suit. Yes. It doesn't matter what color. I know, but People we're like kids safe. at that time, yeah. right? And this is like the first suit that you have. So it's like a little ill-fitted. And then we're on these like offbeat colors. Anyway, so I interview these kids. I try to be as nice to them as possible but also try to like give them direction and guide them. So for instance, if I ask a question and they are clearly not getting the question, I'll be like, okay, let me have you pause there. Let me clarify my question. And that kind of signals to them, hey, you are jabbering about something that I don't give a shit about. Let's get you back on track. And it's a very nice way of doing that, in my opinion. I don't actually remember the point of my story. Yeah, I, I mean... <laughs> I think what you're saying from a mentoring perspective that you're nicer, it has nothing to do with you in a professional oh, context. I'm not trying, it's just not a competition. I'm not trying to be nicer. I'm just saying that if someone is coming in and interviewing, they're coming into my house, I feel the need to be kinder to them. Really? Now, because that's not the approach you take on life in general. You're like, you're in my house. You better show up. <laughs> well, once you show up, I'll feed you and then I'll be very nice to you. But if you don't even come into my house... To begin yeah, with. if you just stand by the front door on yeah. the mat, don't even wipe your feet before you come in, forget about it. You ain't getting a meal. Yeah, so I just feel like there's other ways, like if you are like the candidate's not kosher, just end it earlier rather than being mean to them. Once again, that depends on your HR rules. When you're interviewing, sometimes you can't cut it short. You have to listen and endure. But can you take control and navigate, especially if it's going too long? Absolutely. I don't think that it's necessarily I give off a I'm not interested face. It's just that people that I've interviewed with know me so well and they know my facial expression. So even if it slightly changes, they already know. 
Yeah. So what would you say as an interviewer, what are things that really peeve you in a candidate? Peeves? Peeve you. Annoy you. Peeve. Irritable. Oh, peeve. Things that I don't like? Cockiness. Right off the bat, if you come in and you are cocky, not confident. I understand confident. But if you are like cocky and you're like, I did this, if you've got an attitude, that is like the first. Uh, that's like, like, oh, an, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know yeah, that. Yeah. That's a hard no for me because what that tells me is you're not adaptable and you can't be malleable. Like if you see that I'm not vibing with that and you continue to act that way. But also it tells me that, you know, when I think about hiring, it's always about the team and the collaboration. And I think about the business partners that you'll have to work with. And I think you don't have to be the smartest person in the room. You don't have to be the most strategic. But if you are a collaborative person and you care about your business partners and you work well with others, that'll get you much further. I agree. Than some yeah. of the other things. It's, it's a peeve of mine too. If you come in like you own the space, not in a confident way, but in a cocky way, yeah, that's a big red flag for me. Now, I understand about being uh, shy nervous but if you can't temper that to at least a certain level and I can see it to the point that I feel uncomfortable for you that's also a red flag to me not a red flag but it's definitely a consideration of I don't think this person is a prepared or they're ready or they even know why they're here wait what was the situation like if they come off like so nervous and they don't know how to temper oh. the, their nerves, right? Oh. And then also that usually correlates to very short, brief, generic answers. So they'll answer your question, but it's very brief, but they don't give you the insight, right? They don't give you the example that you're looking for of like how this really applies. Okay, but do you like redirect them? Because sometimes they don't understand. Mm, you can tell oh. if it's a lack of understanding or they just don't know what to say. You know, like it inhibits them from being able to perform and to answer the question. Yeah, I probably, that would probably be a, a turnoff for me as well. But um, I'll give you an example. When I was doing those uh, interviews for this kid, the kid trying to get into the business school, he was so nervous. And I think the first thing I said, I could like see him visibly shaking. And I was like, don't be nervous. This is just some time for me to get to know you. This is school. And this is just a nice preparation for joining the workforce. And I'm asking him questions and I get to the third question and I just see this like rash growing on his neck and it's like climbing. It's like escalating. And I'm just like watching it grow like a tree off his neck and then goes onto his face. And I'm like, holy hell, I feel bad for that guy. Like it's one thing to be nervous, but to have that like physical manifestation of that, by the time we were done, it was like he was all red he in the probably face. probably itchy, like his <laughs> armpits were wet, like he just... <laughs> Like the fact that I noticed it, I was like, man, that sucks. That's just like a scarlet letter that everyone can see how nervous you're getting. And maybe he wasn't that nervous, but once you start getting, it just doesn't stop. Yeah. Um, I've I've had that before in an interview. Someone break out in hives and they were turning red. And then the thing is, it's like you see it in their upper, right? Because that's what you mainly see. But then she started putting her hands on the table and talking and they were like, (laughs) her hands and her arms. Yeah. What's the, uh, what's like the, uh least nice thing you've done in an interview interviewing someone i know it's gonna sound kind of bad but i don't i don't uh give eye contact because i just didn't like them (laughs) you're horrible one time someone went to shake my hand and it was so sticky and clammy i shook his hand and then i just wiped it on my jacket like (laughs) (laughs) 
like, right after? Yes. Oh my god. I, I, you're lucky I didn't say like Jesus God. Yeah. I just wiped it. Well, one interesting experience I've had with interviewing is that at least where I work, there tends to be patterns of the type of people that are the ones that get interviews for the particular position I was interviewing for. So they tend to be someone else in the institution, so someone internal, someone with experience in specific areas. And I had seen that time and time again being on several interviewing committees that that seemed to be the profile of what we were looking for. So here I am in charge of this one. I have learned that the candidates that tend to be most successful and the ones we end up hiring come from that profile. So I had my five candidates that I wanted to interview and I can choose how many. And then there was this one person external from the institution had a little bit of a different background and I said for some reason this this one just speaks to me so I said at the last minute I'm going to add them to the list so now I have six people that I interview because he was last on the list he was the last one that I interviewed and so I had my five I'm like okay I have some considerations let's see this sixth person this sixth person comes in they are the most professional, the most articulate, and their answers aligned most with the philosophy that we had in our office. And I remember thinking, this is the one. On paper, they sound like the most riskiest candidate, but I was open to giving them an interview, and now they've turned out to be the best candidate, and that was the one that I hired. And it really opened my eyes to sometimes don't always just stick with the norm and what has been done before or where you have found success in the past because you just never really know and you need to be open. But I will say in the past when we have been open, they've all flopped. (laughs) So you have to do it wisely or maybe I just got lucky. No, it's a risk for sure. But I think there's also something called like intuition. Okay. (laughs) Okay. That's a big word. I have no, no idea what that You're sitting here is. telling me you're judging someone off of paper. Like, yeah. I didn't have the best grades, but when you meet me, everyone talks about, oh, you're so blah, blah. And so, of course, when What you, do people say about you? Oh, you're you so want to give yourself some credit just, oh. But what I'm saying is I never judge someone on paper. Mine is kind of like, what's their background that helps inform me about that person? And then a lot of it is intuition because if I'm hiring for an entry-level role, I don't need someone that has that knowledge. So I hired someone and my recruiter was like, I need to give this person less pay. She was like, you need to give them less pay because they don't have any knowledge in the industry. And I was like, this person is so adaptable and malleable. It's okay that he doesn't have the knowledge. I will help give him the knowledge. What I need to know is, can he go fishing? You know, can he, (laughs) like in other words, can he problem solve? Is he independent? Does he have good business judgment? Does he know what risks there are and can he manage risk appropriately? So for me, so much of the soft skills, like I said, you could be the best person on paper, but you've got a crappy attitude and it ain't going to fly with me. Or you don't know how to interview. Yeah. Yeah. So I never use the paper as um, kind of like. But to some extent you do to have to to get you to narrow down. It depends on the role that you're hiring and the amount of work that you're willing to put into training your person. So I once had a manager who told me. That was something too. People expect that when you hire someone, they're just going to be great and perfect. And he's like, no. 
you are a manager, meaning you need to help develop this person. Agreed. And so my thing is, if I'm willing to take the risk to develop you, A, do you take feedback well? B, can you implement that feedback? And C, can you, you also like figure stuff out on your own so you you're not cutting coming to me, me every two seconds? It's because you're trying to think and there's an opportunity. No, I'm trying to talk. <laughs> I tried to talk. Now I lost my train of thought. Oh, they can do stuff on their own. Because sometimes when you're hiring someone and you're trying to train them, like you can't handhold the whole time, right? So you kind of want someone who can take the initiative and figure it out on their own. You kind of, you definitely want that. Yes, I would say some, someone that I value and look for is someone who's adaptable, malleable, and can work as a team. Those are the things that are most important to Even me. if they had no knowledge of, in your industry. That, that is more important to me than someone who has experience but has none of those other things. Yes. I would like to say this all goes back to what I said in the very beginning. It's all about likability. But is it likability? Is that what we're really talking about here? Would you ever hire someone you didn't like? Like if you said, I respect this person because they're polished, they're everything I want, but I don't like them. No, you wouldn't. You frankly wouldn't. I don't know if I would say a flat out no, especially if they can bring something different to the table. You know, they have a valuable skill set to the team. It's not all about the most likable person. No, I'm not saying you have to be a likable, like 10 likable, but you've got to like them. Yeah, and I could like them for being different. (laughs) All right, so those are our perspectives on being the interviewer. Now, we probably don't have time for this, but I want to talk a little bit about negotiations and compensation. How did I know that this was going to... You know why? Because you fear all these things in life, and I'm just trying to give you that that little boost of confidence to say, yes, you can. You know what? Maybe it's another topic on another day. Why don't you give... uh, My two cents? Yeah. Okay. Like, yeah, three main points about negotiation. A, what you negotiate as your total comp has nothing to do with what you previously made. I don't care if you're going to be making a lot more. All of a sudden, it doesn't matter what you previously made. And that should not be your barometer for oh, well, I'm not going to ask for more because it's a lot more than what I was making before. That is not an excuse. Okay, number two. Number two, never, never, never throw out a number. Tell them that you expect to be paid competitively based on your skills and experience and make them come out with a number or a range. And number three. Wait, wait, I'm not done. (laughs) (laughs) The last time, um, last time I interviewed, they kind of forced me into like a range, and I gave them a range. And the HR person's response was, Sarita, that is out of range. And I said, okay, tell me what's in range then. But I purposely went really high because she was trying to corner me. So if they do corner you, throw something out there that's super high or say, give me something to level set on expectations. Theoretically, you should have done your research on Glassdoor. And number three. Never take the first offer they give you. Thank them for the offer. Reinforce that you're really excited for the opportunity. Tell them that you need to take a day or two reviewing the offer and you'll get back to them. Okay, there you go, folks. I mean, every time I have applied for a job, she has said those three points and has reiterated them every time. And do you listen? validity to them. Yeah, I do. I listen to you. I'm someone who can take feedback and apply it in my own life, right? Because ultimately at the end of the day, I want to do what's best for myself too, and I don't want to be shortchanged. So yeah, 
I listen to it. Why do you Does get so nervous about uncomfortable? it? Why do you get so nervous about negotiating what is due to you? And the whole negotiation, she really does see the disparity between genders, that females won't go and ask for what they want and what they think sh- they should get, versus she believes that men will do that. So that's why I, she's I believe really it because I see it. it. Yeah. And, you know, for some people in their industry, it's maybe not as prominent for them to see. Do I believe that there's a disparity? Yes. And do I want to be a number that reinforces that disparity? No, I don't. So I'll do it. I'll do the work. But it's just uncomfortable asking. And I don't know if that is more of because I'm a female or because of my personality. I mean, you've heard me in this whole interview. Personality. Be so <laughs> Look, but here's what it is. Like, know your worth and know what you're worth. And be overconfident about your worth because what's the worst that could happen? Right. And I will say for someone that doesn't like interviewing, makes me nervous, just personality-wise, I know my worth and I don't let people... Why do you know your worth? Okay. If this is where (laughs) you want to insert credit for yourself, sure. I don't mind. I don't mind giving you credit because you are so different from me that I'm able to learn and say, you know, that's what I want to do. Like, I didn't know that I can do that. And then I hear you say, well, you can do that. But I think also mom raised us too. That's why we have this self-confidence. So deep down inside, I am confident. I know that I am capable. And I think that's nothing to do with confidence. Well, and I but I think that's why I think I'm able to do well in interviews as much as I talk about how nervous they make me. I think it's because you prepare. But I'm just saying, know your worth and that this number does not define your worth but you want to maximize and get as much as you can for the work that you're doing i often see so many females saying well i don't have this one thing like you've even told me this you gave me a job description one time and i said okay what's the pay range what's this and you said well i don't have this one bullet and i go who the hell cares you exceed the qualifications in five other areas. You don't need to meet yeah, every I said, single bullet. Yeah, I said I exceed in two, but not in the third one. But she was telling me, well, that, how can I make a case for that? And I'm thinking, oh my God, of course. Like, maybe it's the sales. It's Maybe it's not gender. Maybe it's who can sell themselves the best and spin these things. But she looked at it as I'm deficient in this area. And I go, I'm saying you're exceeding in these two areas. It more than balances it out. Yeah. I don't know if I was asking like, oh, it's not worthy because I'm deficient. It was, well, you're talking about exceeding, exceeding, and here I'm not succeeding. So I was just asking, but I'm not succeeding in this area. It's all about positioning though. For me, it's it's all about positioning. I'm very passionate about it because there is nothing that makes me happier. I once had a MBA colleague and uh, we were wrapping up the program and she was interviewing with a well-known... technology company here in the valley and she was previously working for the government and she was going to be making like 40 grand more than what she was currently making and I told her you need to ask for more like here's why here's your skills like and she's like but I'm already making so much and I was like no go and do this and ask for more and say like I'd like to see a more competitive offer and she came back and she ended up getting an extra like six grand And she was so happy after that experience. One of the few selfless things I've done in my life, help other people get more money. (laughs) No, but I was just so happy and so proud of her, like that she felt so empowered and so confident and that she got what she was due. I'm passionate about it because I feel like 
not that many maybe it's not that people don't fight for it but there's a gap and i can help like yeah push people yeah to get more yeah no that's good you're helping people you've helped me so i'm not gonna barrage you for that is that the word barrage barrage i don't even barrage? know what you're talking about you need to up your energy level here you look like you you came out of a busted interview you look so <laughs> exhausted and all I did was say, let's talk about interviewing in the process. Yeah, you made me sweat, man. I'm going to have to drink some water after this, get some fresh air. Uh, all right, folks. Well, thank you for tuning in. Hopefully, this episode was insightful for you and that you saw some different perspectives of how we approach interviewing and our views, both from the interviewee and the interviewer perspective. So join us next week. We have a good episode for you. Don't forget to rate, review, and like the podcast. Follow us on the gram. Like my content. If it's a picture about me, kick in that extra like. If it's rock, you can hold back. Wow. (laughs) And we'll talk to you guys next week. Toodles. Toodles.